0: So, when I was thinking about my series on the niche, this next guest came to mind immediately because he's got a very unique niche, and you're going to want to hear this. Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Berg, speaker, author, sales trainer, website reviewer, here to help you and your wedding and event business sell more, profit more, and have more fun doing it. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast and my series on niching your business called The Niche. And I have a good friend on here who's got a really unique business, Matt Campbell from My Wedding Songs. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, Alan. How are you? I am
0: well, thank you. I, and When I thought about this series of The Niche, you came to mind immediately because you know a lot of people have, uh, you know, they do specialized kind of a stuff, but yours is a very narrow niche here. So what is My Wedding Songs?
1: Uh, my elevator pitch is My Wedding Songs is a free source for couples to help them plan their wedding songs. But not only for couples, of course, we get a lot of wedding planners, a lot of DJs trying to get music ideas as well.
0: Okay. And what what's your background? How did you come to that?
1: Everybody asks that. Why weddings? Why music? So in the 90s, I was a wedding DJ in Montana. I've DJed over 100 weddings from 93 to 2000. And moved to Vegas in two thousand. And when I did that, still had the love of weddings and music, but didn't want to restart everything again. So I started a broad line wedding planning website that was competing against the big guys, and uh, realized that eighty to ninety percent of our traffic was going to the song list that I was creating. So then we flipped the script in January of twenty seventeen and rebranded to My Wedding Songs and. Since then, just explosive growth.
0: So uh, people listening here, you follow the audience, right? You, you created a site and uh, most people listening know my background. I was vice president of sales at The Knot. I published two wedding magazines. Before that, I consult the wedding websites around the world. It's really hard in the US to compete with Wedding Wire and The Knot because they've been around longer. They're really big. They're really good with their SEO and the other stuff that they do. And people would come to me all the time when I was there and say, oh, I got this site that, you know, it's better than The Knot or it's better than Wedding Wire. I'm like, okay, well, where's your audience? Because <laughs> right? if you don't have an audience, you don't have anything to sell because that's what they sell. Just like newspapers sell audience, billboards sell audience. So following your traffic to the, they love the songs that you're putting up there, you say, well, you know, let's forget about this other stuff. And this is what the niche is about, is not trying to be everything to everybody, but trying to be the thing to people and, and enough people that it makes sense. So you had this site, it was wedding planning, you, you cut it down to the songs, my wedding songs. This, w- what's the business model, right? What's the business model? Cause you, you know, you you have the songs up there. You don't have advertising, right?
1: I do. That's my main source of, of income is, is advertising. We're part okay. of an ad network. And so just getting eyeballs to the site is how the, the main source of money.
0: Right. And that's what people are doing on social media. That's when you hear about all these social stars, they're getting the views. And then there are businesses that want those people that are doing the views. In your case, it's people that are getting married. And therefore, there's a lot of people that want those people, I'm sure inside and outside the wedding industry, right?
1: Correct. Yes, we have over 600 curated song lists on the site. So yeah, I don't want to write all about wedding <laughs> songs all the time. So it's very, it's very broad. Yes. Uh, very.
0: But but again, it's called myweddingsongs.com is the site. But when people are Googling and finding you, because I'm imagining that's how they're finding you, they're going to specific song lists, specific content, right?
1: Exactly. So as an example, if you Google Taylor Swift love songs, we're going to be in the top two positions. So then they'll go directly to the Taylor Swift Love Songs song list. That's great. That's great. So you
0: have all of these. Now, before we started recording, you, you, you dropped a little nugget on me that creating content, you've created an awful lot of content. And I'm sure you have to update, obviously, whatever the top songs are. But there's got to be a lot of evergreen content, right? Stuff that just, it's, it's always going to be good, but maybe needs a little tweak. So is that a, a big part of your traffic as well?
1: Very much so. So the Evergreen, what I consider is our our core wedding song list. It's about 50 songs. Those get updated. A lot of them monthly at, at bare minimum annually. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you, you know, just to, to uh, backtrack just a little bit. So when we had all of this content for wedding planning, you know, one of the things that happened was, we had over, let's say, a thousand articles on our site. Two hundred and fifty of those articles were strictly for wedding planning. Totally deleted two hundred and fifty articles from our site. Nothing happened because all of our traffic was going towards those, those song lists. So yes, Google always wants the freshest content, and to com- to compete against, you know, the big guys that you mentioned, you always have to compete against them: Brides, the Knot, Wedding Wire even Columbia Records. There's a lot of, uh, like you said, big guys out there.
0: And SEO is uh, something that you have become an expert in. Uh, You have gone through my site and helped me with that. And you and Brian with my title tags and my meta tags and all the stuff that I don't want to know about, Uh, all the back end stuff there. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the tips that you've learned that, so the people listening are everything from venues and caterers to photographers and videographers and DJs and officiants and Invitations and limousines and you know you name it. Um, What are some of the things that you think people should focus on? Because you could get distracted with a little shiny objects and stuff out there. What is the stuff that makes the has the most impact?
1: First and foremost, user experience. You know, you have to answer the questions of your potential customers. So, if you no matter what industry that you're in, even in my industry, if somebody's looking for Processional songs, you better have the processional songs there. You better have current songs. You better keep it updated. You know, it's all about that user experience. And, you know, just to find out how you're going to rank against these people, you just Google that and see what other people are doing as well, because people are. Even though you may be at the top, people are always trying to overthrow you and will overthrow you. <laughs> and then so you figure out, okay, what are they doing? So one of the things I've noticed even in in, in my space is a lot of people are adding lyric uh, clips of lyrics to the pages. So okay, now we're going back and adding those clips because that's what we're saying. The user experience, if you can keep them on the site longer, you can create more engagement. It's all about that user experience and Google is looking at all of that stuff. So recent content,
0: like you said, updated content. If you have not touched the, the content on your site, uh, Google, they just stop coming back and indexing because they figure, hey, it hasn't changed in the last six months. It's not going to change.
1: Correct. I can't tell you how many businesses that I've talked to. Oh, we have this shiny new website we just launched a year ago. Great. What have <laughs> you been doing since? <laughs> Well, yeah, so, that's why your traffic is going down because you haven't done anything. <laughs> right.
0: Now, uh, there's also lots of discussions about the what's behind the scenes on the coding and mm-hmm. what's on the page. Uh, which one is more important?
1: Both. So you have you have the technical end of it and then you also have what the visitor sees, mm-hmm. and both are extremely important. I would say more so what the the I'm going to start with the user experience. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, of course you have to make sure your, your website's crawlable that, that Google can find you and and all that technical stuff, but you know, you're looking at what is on the page, but then also the title tag and the meta description, that's what shows up on Google search results. Are people going to click you because Google is looking at that as well. If you're in the first position and nobody's clicking on you, you're going to, you're going to fall whereas potentially if you're in position 3 and you're getting more clicks than the people above you potentially you can move up. Right.
0: So for those of you that
1: don't know what Matt's talking about, if you're
0: go to a browser and you have a bunch of different tabs open and if you look at that tab up at the top, you know, what does it say? Right? If you hover your mouse over that, does it what does it say about you? And if it doesn't say much, then how are you going to be found? So in the in the back end, you know, back in the old days, which is probably mm-hmm. like 5 years ago, People used to throw a lot of code into the back that wasn't the title tag, wasn't the meta tag, but wasn't on the page. Google's paying more attention to what's on the page that can be seen by the user these days, correct?
1: Correct. You you never want to have content or code that's on the page. I, I don't know what the technical term is, but you never want to hide anything from the user that Google sees because that could be very detrimental to your website. Right, it could actually make you
0: come up lower in the ranking as opposed to coming up higher, which you're trying to, you know, fool the search engine. And what you said about the user experience: what are people looking for? What do you do that helps them, solves their problem, whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I said I don't pay a lot of attention to SEO other than the technical stuff you did, is because I just write to my audience all the time. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I do. I just write to my audience. What I've done with the podcast here is I put the transcripts of these conversations on the website. And since we're talking about things that are of interest to my audience, all of these words that we're saying, they're going to be on my blog, which is that fresh content. But then again, there's the evergreen content. There's things that people will need. Let's face it, in the wedding industry, what your couples need this year, if you're a fill in the blank, a videographer, they need next year. So what are some suggestions on how to tweak that? How much do you need to update that for Google to say, hey, this is still relevant content?
1: I would be looking at it and updating it at least once a year, probably every six months. But my my big tip for everyone today, don't write articles just because you think that's what your potential customers want to know about. I would do a Google search for whatever topic you're, let, let's say a uh, limousine. Mm-hmm. So you're a limousine company and you are in, based in Detroit. So you can just Google Detroit Limo Services. Okay, And then you go through the Google search results. And then inside of that Google search results is a section called People Also Ask. And that is a goldmine of content for your pages. And you go through that and you can click on each one. It'll start with four or five or three, whatever it is. But as you click and open up each one, more questions will come up. And then so by the time you're done, there's potentially 20 questions that Actual customers are already searching for on Google. Don't try to figure out what they're already asking. Google's telling you what they're already asking. And this is on YouTube as well, right? Because when you type in a question or
0: something on YouTube, it's making suggestions. And those suggestions are, well, let's get Google owns YouTube, right? So it's the same idea that those questions that are already being asked are the things that you want to help answer. I actually I tell people when you're looking at analytics, you have to know what you're looking at a little bit because people see numbers and then they make decisions based upon numbers that they really don't know what they mean like bounce rates and things like that. Mm-hmm. I have a blog post from I don't know 5 6 years ago that is always in my top 10 pages viewed and I'm getting no business from it because mm-hmm. they're not my audience, but it's what's your 1 3 and 5 year plan? Right. And people are googling I need a 1 3 5 year plan because somebody told them that or they read it in a book. And I wish I was getting business from this, but I'm getting a whole lot of traffic that doesn't stick around very long. And mm-hmm. the bounce rate on that page is like ninety-seven percent or something like that. And for those of you that don't know that we just geeked out on you here, when someone goes to a site, like you're you're a user, you go to a web page and then you leave. You don't look at any other page, you don't click on anything else, you just leave. You've bounced. That's all mm-hmm. it is. You just bounced. A bounce is not necessarily bad. That's actually one of my other um, podcasts, Matt, was Basically, the three things that you really need to know on Google Analytics. And I don't care about my bounce rate. I care about my calendar and my PL. If my calendar is full and my p looks good, profit and loss statement looks good, who cares how many people are bouncing off my site? It's when you're not getting the business, not getting the traffic, then you want to say, hey, am I getting the wrong traffic and stuff like that. So how much needs to be new when you update that page for, it, for Google to say this is new now or this is fresh now instead of, oh, it's the same one.
1: Great question. So the goal would be at least a hundred words that's different.
0: And not just juggling words around, right? Just adding, adding a hundred new words.
1: Correct. Adding, or maybe you're rewriting existing words where you're saying, okay, these few paragraphs that doesn't really pertain to, to what it is in 2021 or 2022. Let me just totally rewrite that content.
0: I've been going to my site lately Uh, removing all my COVID-related content, (laughs) Mm -hmm. updating, putting new videos on. And one of the things that I always add is I add new testimonials. Like I'll Mm -hmm. update my testimonials because that's text,
1: Mm -hmm. right?
0: Google doesn't look and say, oh, that's testimonial text versus what Alan wrote. It's just text,
1: right? So I just want to make sure that people understand that you're not copying that testimonial from other platforms, so not from... Google reviews, not from Facebook reviews, not from WeddingWire reviews. It's got to be original content. Could be a letter, It could be a personal note, because you never want to duplicate content from other websites. So if I took
0: one sentence that was posted someplace else and put that, that's bad.
1: One sentence is not going to kill you when you're doing, you know, a whole paragraph that you're right. copying. From, you know, that's no, no, no. So, so here, <laughs> one, people, one people, you know,
0: people listening have heard some of my other stuff. I want you to put speed bumps on your website of these testimonials, single sentences. Mm-hmm. And if you pulled these from all different places, Wedding, Why, the Wire Knot, Facebook, Google, but you're only pulling a sentence out and then adding the attribution of who wrote it, the city and state or the venue city and state, that's going to look fresh. And I don't want you taking the whole paragraph because nobody wants to read it, <laughs>
1: first of nobody all. Will it, right? <laughs>
0: nobody will read it. Nobody will read it. And you want them to read it because they're saying things about you that other people can't say. I mean, that nobody's saying okay. about you. That's your brand. So at least 100 words that are different, you can rewrite what's there, you can add mm-hmm. something there. If, if you think about what 100 words is, if I was to take five testimonials with the attribution and swap out for five new ones on a page, there's 100 words.
1: Yes, that's one way to do it, but I would try to make it content that is beneficial to the reader, not just <laughs> okay. the testimonial.
0: Right. And, and this is a challenge and it's going to be a challenge mm-hmm. for everybody listening because how much is there different about what you do for your audience this year versus last year? The only, I, I, I give a warning, a caveat to people. If you're not trying to get business from search engines because you're getting enough leads from WeddingWire, than not Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, SEO doesn't really play because SEO is search engine optimization. The user experience matters no matter where they came from. So Matt said this already, and if you didn't hear it, if you didn't get that point, the user experience is first. It's always first. SEO doesn't come first. That comes first. And Matt, you and I have seen the sites where SEO comes first, and they kind of read like Rain Man wrote it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I had one. I was in Philadelphia at this venue, and I'm reading their site, and it was, if you're looking for the best catering in Philadelphia, then you need Philadelphia's best catering because people in Philly who are looking for catering, and this 25, 26-year-old kids sitting next to me, and I, I looked at him, and I said, hey, dude, do you speak that way? Like, is this the way you talk to people? Because your brand has a voice, and I'm pretty sure that's not it.
1: <laughs> and don't get me wrong, that worked seven, 10 years ago, but yes. Google is getting smarter.
0: And, and people are getting smarter, because if they but, get to your site, and that's the way it reads, hmm. they're not hearing about themselves. They're not feeling like you can do what they need, and, and it's hard to read that text. Like you, It's just really hard. Cumbersome to try to read something, with it's just stuffing keywords and all the time. So let's get back to the new content on your site. You're updating the content that you have there, but you're also adding new content. What's your decision process as to I need new content, or what that content might be?
1: I've really changed over the over the last year, just because Google is focusing so much on fresh content. And I read an article recently that's talking about the billions of articles that are going to be written over, over the next year and how Google is going to decipher all of this content it's 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 just mind numbing the and now we're getting articles written in, by ai it's
0: artificial intelligence for those of you that that, yeah. that don't know what that is and so articles that are actually written by a computer right. based on an algorithm of something yep. wow
1: It's, it's, it's mind numbing. (laughs) So that's why we're talking about, you know, uh, making sure your, your content's unique. You're, you're, you're helping that visitor out, you know, like Alan said, okay, maybe we have an 88% bounce rate on our number one page, but they're there nine minutes. Okay. That user experience tells me that you're answering that. So getting back to writing new articles, number one thing that, that we always do is keyword research. And, and this, uh, this call is definitely way shorter than 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 we have <laughs> to talk about keyword research. But always start with what what people want it want to know about and what people are already searching for. Because you don't want to just say, "Hey, I'm a limousine. I'm I'm gonna write about great limousines." Well, is that really going to be a benefit to your to your reader? Are people searching for that? So definitely keyword research would be a, a place to start.
0: Now, um, I I had read something a while back uh, about people search in questions Mm -hmm. right like how do i or what are the what are the best wedding songs or whatever i've done this on a bunch of pages on my site where my headings are actually the question and then the content is answering that is that still a, a good thing
1: it's very good yes and then and then what you would do is answer more questions as you're going down within that within that main question as well
0: right within the content itself there and this is where an faq page that is written well, (laughs) again, it has to be written well, if you ask the question that your customers might be asking, they might find that. Getting back to bounce rate, so my site has a very high bounce rate for a simple reason. I've siloed content about specific topics onto individual pages as opposed to cramming all the content onto one page. Mm -hmm. So if I had exactly the same content, but it was all on two or three pages instead of on eight are my eight separate pages that are specific topics is that going to rank higher?
1: That's interesting. So I I would look at the results for that. A great example is we I just republished R and B father daughter dance songs. So okay, you have that's very specific. That's the micro. The macro would be father daughter dance songs. Right. So now when somebody searches for R and B father daughter dance songs, which gets a lot of mm-hmm. searches. So we'll rank number one position, let's say, number one position for our R&B father-daughter dance songs, but then the number two position will be the father-daughter dance song. So now we have two positions on the top of the results.
0: Right. And that micro versus the macro is the long tail of searching, right?
1: Correct. So
0: those of you that don't know, there's a book called The Long Tail. And the idea, very simply, uh, if you looked at the, the top songs that are played You're going to find Taylor Swift and some of these other people that are just way, way high up. But then if you look at all of the other songs that get these ones and twos and three plays, that line, if you're looking at a graph, that line goes on and you can't see the end of it because there's just so many songs out there, millions of songs that get a little bit. And it's the same thing with searching. More people search for father-daughter dance songs than R&B father-daughter dance songs, which is why you're coming up both there. But the people that search for R&B dance songs, it's like you can own that. Because you're up there. And the competition is going after father and daughter dance songs, not specifically R&B father-daughter dance songs. I would bet that your conversion on a page like that is better because it's, it's a more specific thing. And that's what I did. So there's one page for website reviews and business consulting. There's one page for speaking, one page for sales training. And I put a contact form on that page. So you land on the page, find what you need, fill out the contact form, email me, text me, call me, whatever, and leave. You got what you needed, you leave, you've bounced, but you've also done what you and I
1: want. (laughs) Exactly. And then you, what we call silo, you silo, let's say you have your speaking, you have your speaking page. So then you would have your speaking tips and and everything that's related to speaking all interlinked, all Mm -hmm. within that silo.
0: I use a lot of tabs and toggles on my pages. Uh, those of you uh, not familiar, and certainly if you're not watching on video, if you think of the file folders that you put into a filing cabinet, they have the little tab with the name is on the left, and then it's a little bit over, and then it's in the middle, and then it's on the right. Well, there's a feature on websites called tabs where instead of having to scroll down to get that content, it's behind. So, Matt, content like that, if it's not the first tab, it's the second or third, Google's still reading all of that?
1: Your goal is. Every page on your site that's important to you should be no more than three clicks from your homepage.
0: So if you're for me, if you go to sales training from my homepage, that's one click, right? The rest of the stuff that's on the page, you might have to click, but you're not going to another page to see it, like opening a toggle or there, if it's in a toggle that's closed. And those are those little plus signs that you see on a website. And then all of a sudden it, it opens that content when that is closed. Is Google seeing what's inside of that?
1: They have gotten smarter yeah. and they have said that they are reading that information. Okay. My thing is, let's say, like I was saying, you go to a speaking page and then you have speaking, you have a blog post about speaking tips. Mm-hmm. So now you make you may have a link from your main speaking page to your right. speaking tips page. So right. now we're talking that page would be two pages, two clicks two from clicks. the homepage.
0: Yeah, so what I've put so much content onto the pages Partly because when I look at my traffic, only thirty percent is mobile versus most people listening who are going to be fifty percent or more mobile because my audience is you folks listening as opposed to uh, brides grooms and others who are with the wedding, much more likely to be looking on a mobile device, so I know that I have content that on mobile, although it works fine, it's fully responsive, works perfectly. Some of those pages are a little longer than I would like them to be on mobile, but seventy percent of you are going on desktop so. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good. But the toggles and the tabs allow me to cram some more of that content as opposed to making another page, like actually right. going to another page. So thinking about, uh, again, we're thinking about niching. Your niche, you are writing content specifically for your niche. You're not getting distracted. People that are in the wedding and event industry and somebody, let's say, does weddings and they also do bar mitzvahs, they also do quinceanera, maybe they do corporate work. Are they better off having separate websites? Or putting those on separate pages, siloed the way we said on their own site? What would you think?
1: I would look at it as how much content are you gonna have on those pages? So let's say you are, you know, let's just say a DJ and you have a corporate DJ brand. If it's gonna be another brand, I would separate that out into its own website. Uh, if it's all under the uh, same brand, I would have to say, unfortunately, I have to say it's a case by case basis, just okay. because it it gets a little bit tricky. But if it's but the same company
0: name, same company right. name, and you do weddings and you do corporate and you do mitzvahs and you do you know what other stuff there, right. uh, and obviously you could go either way on this one. But if SEO is important to you, so getting traffic from search engines is is important. A site for that company, same name for corporate and a separate site for that company for weddings, could those sites have a better chance of ranking higher? Exactly the same content. Could they rank higher because there's no dilution with those other things? Or does it not matter because it's separate pages anyway?
1: I I would keep it under one roof just because, under one site, just because you're having your most authority on that site. Now, as an example, if you are a venue and you have a limo service, that's a completely different name. Or if it wasn't a completely different name, I would change the name just because those are two (laughs) totally different things. Right. And then create your own website just for the limo service.
0: I remember um, a woman who did wedding cakes and she had a bakery, regular retail bakery, so bread and cookies and whatever. And she asked me one year at at an event, you know, do you think I should have a separate site for my wedding cakes? And I said, well... I would. I said, you can go either way, but if you had a separate site for wedding cakes and they link through from wedding wire, or the not or whatever to that site, there's no distraction of cookies and bread and, you know, whatever else you do. And the next year uh, I met her at another event and it was six months into the year. And she said she had already done 50% more wedding cakes than the whole previous year because it was blinders on wedding cakes. Now, if you also do cookies for weddings, put them on there and donut walls, put them on there. But it was all about weddings, whereas the other is, hey, what hours are your bakery open? And, you know, can I get a loaf of bread? And, you know, that's not what these people came for. So you can certainly go either way. And I have clients that have. One site is a client of mine in Alabama. And we did what we just said here, which is same company name. And there's a page for weddings. There's a page for corporate. There's a page. And we did tabs on the page. So when you go to the page for weddings, it had tabs for all the services. So DJ and photo booth and lighting and whatever. And then when you get to corporate, It had different tabs, team building and whatever, but DJ was still there. Photo Booth was still there. And we made it so that once you get to that page, you don't have to leave that page. Contact form is on the page. Calls to action are on the page. Testimonials are on the page. And just being a niche within that company, because it is one company name. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's also the, hey, you never know, somebody who's getting married who needs a holiday party,
1: right? Exactly. You know, the way to think about it, too, would be as a DJ, is the customer the same for a wedding, a corporate, and a school dance? Well, not really. So if school dances are really your target market and 80% of your business, personally, I don't think your school paid. I would not have a school page on your website with the weddings and the corporate. Create a different brand. You know, Focus on those school dances. Don't just have a website where, hey, I'm planning my wedding, and then all of these school pictures... I'm going to be totally turned off by that.
0: Right. However, mitzvahs, quinceaneras, schools, that makes sense because now you are looking at pretty much the same audience there, or at least a crossover audience. And I always advocate, uh, people in the wedding industry, they're like, well, you know, I'm not getting a repeat customer. You know, you should be marketing to your former customers for their referrals. But again, those people are working and they Mm -hmm. work for companies and own companies and those companies have company things. So market to them for that. But when they're looking for their wedding... Put your blinders on and, and do wedding stuff there. Right. So uh we, we've crossed over into the SEO world and I want I'm gonna have you back for that specifically. <laughs> but you know, the whole idea, if you, you heard the beginning, I hope, of this, where you had a, a wider scope mm-hmm. and then you narrowed it following the customers and then go there. I'm gonna give you a phrase, Matt, that was said about me. Uh, in the speaking world, when I go to a conference and people say, "Oh, what do you speak about?" they expect me to say leadership or healthcare or whatever, and I say, "Oh, I speak about the business of weddings and events." And there's that record scratch silence, like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'm sure you get that as well. You know, it's such a niche. But your niche, like mine, is an inch wide, but right. it's a mile deep.
1: The one tip I would give for niching down would be the book "Play Bigger," and one of the authors is Christopher Lockett, and he's Just somebody that uh, is a little eccentric, but that book was definitely a turning point in my business of, you know, do you want to be a percentage of the big pie or do you want to have the whole pie to yourself? And if you have the, you can have the whole pie to yourself. If you're, you know, other books like Blue Ocean and, and all of these other books that talk about niching down, hey, if you're in a category all to yourself that's really where you want to be. Same as DJs, you know, you're all talking about the same, the, any, anybody in the wedding industry, you're all talking about the same thing. Right. What What's going to make you stand out from everybody else? You know, like we were saying, maybe you focus on the mitzvahs or or w- whatever that is, then everybody in the industry knows, hey, I have a venue. I'm looking for a venue for mitzvahs. That's This is the place to go. Right. And What do you
0: want to be known for? So the whole reason for this niching series is uh, I've had other people on that they may come out after this or before this. One is a wedding planner who does South Asian weddings Mm
1: -hmm. for 25
0: years. And she's a Polish woman, right? Right. It's like, it's like, how does that happen? But she's the go-to, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the go-to in the industry. I made a choice when I left the knot 10 years ago. Do I want to be a guy that speaks about sales and business and websites and the things that I do? Or do I want to be that person in the wedding and event industry where I can bubble up to the top of that and be, you know, who is the one? And very often people come to me and say, hey, we're having an event and you're our reach, right? Can we possibly have you come as opposed to, oh, you know, they're just another speaker and they want me. And that's where you're also able to charge because you're able to charge when they want you and not somebody. Every DJ does the same thing on paper. Every wedding planner does the same thing on paper. But when they want you to do it, they have to pay your price. And that's how I've been fortunate to speak in 14 countries and, you know, all the stuff that I do is because I I don't speak about weddings. I don't speak about, this is the Wedding Business Solutions podcast. I don't talk about weddings. We talk to people that do them. Uh, But what I speak about applies outside. And I, I do a little bit when I'm asked, consulting and speaking outside the industry, I don't have to look for it because of the niche. That's the mm-hmm. whole key. So Matt, I'm going to ask you for those books in the show notes so I can tell everybody because some people are like, what was that book? I don't want to have to go back. And I will put into the show notes links and bio for you. But what is the website again if people want to you know, see you?
1: Myweddingsongs.com.
0: Myweddingsongs.com. And if you Google just about anything related to wedding songs, this is the niche Absolutely. and you're going to find <laughs> Matt on there. So Matt, thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you at Wedding MBA in November.